All right. Welcome to this live stream and episode of the USL show. We have a very, very special uh, episode for you guys. We've been hyping it up. It is officially the Tuesday show, Tuesday trademark. And there's been a lot of news around League One these last couple of days between, uh, you know, Omaha finally announcing players, everybody being excited. Fuego dropping a really random teaser that looked really, really cool. And I think it was an assistant coach is what I was told. Um, everybody's signing something. Greenville is doing all the things right now. Just a fun time to be a USL League One fan. Um, so, but we have a few people here that we always see. And... Let's go ahead and start with a Greenville man right below me. Gio, how you doing, my man? I'm good, man. It's good to see you guys. Happy to be here. I'm excited for, for this interview, uh, Greenville heavy interview. Um, but I'm ha- happy to be here and talk about the league and all the fun stuff and the anticlimactic Tuesday that Omaha gave us. <laughs> hot, st- hot starts already. And sitting to his right, is a man who is Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing? Doing okay tonight. How are you tonight, Kaylor? Hey, I can't complain. I'm living. I'm. I'm not living my best life, but I'm living darn close to it. It's. I'm having a great time. And if you look to Ryan's up, there's a John. John Morrissey, how are you doing? Doing really well. I uh, flukily really published that piece on League One this week, so. No better time to be talking about it, I guess. You know, this is the wonderful thing about USL having more than just the championship. We can talk about so much because sometimes I feel like we go through little dead spaces, you know, across one league. Well, luckily, we have like seven more we can talk about now. It's awesome. But I will say all four of us on the screen, we, you know, we show up every week, but you guys are tired of us. All right. So we brought in somebody that's pretty special. We are bringing in a guy who works for the Greenville Triumph. He is a Clemson alum. You know, everybody has their faults. The vice chairman and chief brand officer of the Greenville Triumph, Mr. Doug Irwin. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. So, Doug, just real quick. What exactly is your role with Greenville? Yeah, um, so a kind of a dual role. Um, I, I serve uh, as kind of an everyday voice for the ownership group um, in the office, uh, representing as a minority owner uh, of the club. And then uh, as chief brand officer, I oversee all the uh, marketing and communications for the club and um, oversee the merchandise design and um just uh just the way the club looks out in the community so it's it's a lot of a lot of things different uh different every day certainly but uh just just trying to keep spreading the good word about uh Greenville Triumph soccer you know whenever I came and visited Greenville something I was really impressed with was how many times I've seen just the logo or someone wearing the shirt or wearing a jersey around town even not on a game day for you, or even for like someone like Gio, maybe able to talk about this as well. How uh, how has it been just to see something that you've helped create, something that you're in the middle of, 
and you're just seeing it around town you know what kind of is that like a surreal experience or is it like i knew this was coming no it's it's surreal and i don't think it'll ever stop being surreal um you know it's uh it's a lot of hard work and a, and a lot of dollars spent and um you know effort by people other than myself so i can only take a portion of the credit for it but um you know it's it's our mission to get the word out around town and uh, i mean our big thing is our magnets and we just um you know we print a couple thousand of them every time we run they run out we just order more we don't think about what it costs towards the budget and everything we just keep ordering magnets so um we know that that's something that people enjoy and they take a little bit of you know piece of that with them and it's it's great advertising for us around town but um, I think we're just still, you know, we're entering year four and we're just constantly away at, at the response to this. Um, you know, we knew we were a great soccer town. It's, it's one of the reasons we wanted to start the team. But, um, you know, the, our expectations have been vastly succeeded. And I think a lot of the credit for that goes to John Harks and uh, his staff and the players as well for the great success we've had on the field the first three seasons. Ryan, you're someone who's from around the Carolinas. For for you to see as much soccer popping up around that area, and especially maybe talk on Greenville, but just the surrounding area they've had and the impact they've had, for you, what, how's that change kind of hit the communities that you've been around? Like, what are the changes you've seen? I think it's fantastic to see so much soccer popping up around the Carolinas. I mean, not just within the Triumph, but you have the Battery in the same state, NCFC and Charlotte Independence both joining in League One. You have Asheville playing as well in League Two, and even brand new Charlotte FC up in MLS. But it's fantastic to see just kind of the growth of soccer within the community. And I think Triumph has been one of the best stories within U.S. lower division soccer in the past couple years and they've clearly shown that success on and off the pitch especially with the uh, news we'll be talking on uh the hopes for the uh, stadium uh, later this episode and it's a really impressive thing that's being built in the carolinas i was shocked when i went this uh summer i was just i was just walking around in one of my soccer jerseys because it's all i wear and people were just stopping me left and right. It's like, oh, is it that team? Is it that league? Is it that? Is it's the most obscure ones I would have, and people would just know, which was a really bizarre experience. But this is a heavy League One show. Uh, this is going to be a very heavy one for us. John, you just released a massive article outlining all of the things for League One. What are who are some key like people? I know you've talked a little bit about Greenville and other teams and whatnot. You know, what are some things that you're excited about this season? And what are some things that maybe you would have questions with Doug, like on signings or like backroom stuff? Yeah. So in terms of the piece, just to start, I was able to talk to Niall Logue, who's made the jump from League One up to the championship. I had a good conversation with Eamon Zayed, who played in the championship, played in League One, um, and now is going to be the inaugural head coach in Northern Colorado. And really was just trying to suss out what's the value of the league in terms of not only providing a springboard for players up to that higher tier, but serving as something of a safety net and just the role that a soccer expands in communities like Greenville and Omaha, places like that, where you're not only growing the game in terms of just the fan side of things, but you're up setting up a real infrastructure for players to have this professional setting to fall back on if they don't 
meet the highest possible aspirations. And so I think in that vein, um, you've seen a lot of movement of players from the championship to League One. Uh, Coach Zayed really focused on Irvin Para in the context of Northern Colorado. And I think he's going to be in the conversation for the Golden Boot. Um, veteran USL striker, double-digit goals in two of the last three years, and a really strong player in um, Charlotte last season. Um, in terms of Fr Fresno signing three different players with championship experience, including Villain uh, Biev, who was excellent in Sacramento and basically was the entire offense for Oklahoma City last season. Um, there have been a couple internal moves within the league as well. But I think some of the exits are important as well. If you think about like Aaron Malloy moving up from forward Madison, um, just a whole lot of storylines in terms of that interleague thing. And that's really what I've been trying to focus on. So in terms of um, the process, when you're like announcing a player, how does that go down just within like the social sphere, Doug? You know, a lot of times it's me pestering the coaching staff or the technical staff until I know, um, you know, what the deal is. You know, we kind of have the, the way contracts run. Um, you know, we've got at the end of November is when all the contracts are up. So the first thing is, is who's coming back. And a lot of times just because, um, you know, the deadline's up, it doesn't mean everyone that we want to return is signed already. Cause you know, you're picking up options for guys. A lot of guys you're gonna, you know, you want them back and you might pick up the option, uh, from a procedural standpoint, but you're going to rip up that contract anyway and give them a new deal. So there's a lot in the working and, and it's been tough the last couple of years, especially to, to re-sign guys because you're not far away from the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you look at where we were um, this past season where we were coming off the final was on what the 20th or something. So, you know, after that you, you take a little time and it's Thanksgiving and, and then next thing you know, you got to have everybody signed. So for us, you know, it's kind of a scramble and, um, we we are not our, our offices aren't where the technical staff office is right now so that makes it logistically a little bit more of a challenge to find out um you know what what's going on sometimes but um you know as like i, I know that um you know omaha and, the, and their player news has been a, a discussion point certainly across the last couple of weeks but you know it's tough you don't you don't want to just go out and sign guys to sign guys i think one of the things that's been great for us we've been really fortunate about having returning guys i think we've returned over 50 percent of the team each year um through the first couple seasons so we you know i don't want to take that for granted because that's not always going to be the case um and you know when you have a season like omaha had um, you're going to lose guys. Uh, that, that, that's part of it. I totally get that. You know, you want to keep everybody, but even if you wanted to keep them, they all wanted to come back. You know, there's, there's not a salary cap per se in the league, but you know, let's be realistic. We're a division three soccer uh, teams, you know, soccer league here. So we, we do have budgets. Um, I, you know, I don't know what all the, what all the teams budgets are. I know what ours is and um, you know, it's pretty reasonable. So we can't keep everyone even if we want to. So, um, you know, it, it's a challenge, but I, but it's it's something exciting too. You know, we got to do something this off season and bringing back Jake Keegan. That was the first time we brought uh, brought back a player that's left for somewhere else after us. So that was kind of cool, and and the timing of that um, worked out well as we said a tough goodbye to Dallas J as he headed off for a great opportunity with Monterey. But um, you know, for us, it's it's just waiting um, waiting to hear from the coaches, and they trickle in, and then. Um, you know, you, you hear about guys and, 
then you might not hear something for two weeks or so because it's not always, um, you know, boom, they're signed, done, easy. Uh, there's there's a negotiation process to it all. So, you know, it's sort of just me tapping them on the shoulder and saying, hey, what, what's the deal need to know? And then from that standpoint, you normally have about 48 hours um, from once it's been submitted to the league to when they get approved. So in that window, that's when I scramble my team and or me to, to write a release, find out everything we can about the guy. Hopefully we can get a couple good pictures. Um, find some stats, uh, you know, whether he's college or pro. Sometimes we got to reach out to college athletic departments if it's a guy fresh out of college to get some info and um, scramble to get enough information together to, to put a release together. You know, we, we want to make sure that we highlight the um, what these guys are coming from, even if they are fresh out of college. They, they have distinguished careers if they're turning pro. Um, you know, obviously they've had a, a certain level of success, so it's fun to write those releases. Um, and it's fun to, to try and remember all the details and it's great. I mean, for me personally, I, I like, I'm not writing them as much anymore as I used to, but I'm overseeing and editing them. And so it's fun for me to get to learn some things about each of the guys before I then meet the guys in person when they come into town. It's, it's just nice to feel like, um, feel like I know a little bit about them. Do you ever find yourself? sitting on the news of a signing so like somebody you've acquired who comes off as a little bit of a big deal like trying to build the hype or are you pretty immediate about pushing them out no matter the context no sometimes we we do sit on them um and and not you know to deceive anybody but some sometimes you know like i feel like when we sign guys it's a handful at a time and you want to spread those out, um, you know, and, and most of the guys are, you know, we want to give them their own release. We don't have to share um, all the time. So, you know, you go from not having any players signed uh, to all of a sudden we have three or four. So we got to spread them out. So, yeah, we, we have to sit on them um, sometimes for a week or two at a time. Hopefully not much more than that. I don't. I don't like keeping secrets. Um, you know, that's not, uh, that's not fun for me. I like, I like to be able to share good news. Uh, that's how I am with the, you know, with kits and anything else. Like it's, it's tough for me to keep secrets. So, um, but, but, you know, we, again, we, there, there's sometimes there's a method to the madness and how you want to roll things out, you know, in terms positionally, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about our W league team cause we've announced five or six players. I'm like, Oh, we don't have any keepers yet. So we probably need to prioritize, you know, if we've got anybody agreed to. So yeah, you, you try and do it a little bit um, and different teams do it different. You know, again, going back to the Omaha example, like I remember, I think it was year one, they announced, I think 11 people at one time, um, which is not something I would have done, but more power to them for, for doing it. You know, it's, it just, do you want to, you know, turn the faucet on and let it drip for a couple months or do you want to turn the water on all at once? I don't know. Uh, you know, you, you guys have perspectives on that. So I, I'm always uh, I'm always open to changing, changing our ways. So you've talking about you're talking about players and stuff like that and guys who are fan favorites, you know, like Jake. I mean, I've I've heard nothing but he, besides he's a fan favorite of everyone that ever, has ever met him. But there's somebody else that has played for Greenville that is also the same way. And it's the guy sitting to your right, Gio. Now, I have to know, um, if if in a pinch, can he play for Greenville next year? Hey, I've seen him score goals. He scored a goal last night for us. The only goal our, our rec team had last night. So, look, he's got a striker's mentality. You see it when he takes – he's had to take a couple PKs this season. You can just tell. The way he runs under the ball, he, he knows he knows what he's doing. So, oh, man. You know, I'm embarrassed look, now. 
Look, if we ever get if if you know we ever get a rash of injuries and I have to point to the stands, I'm not afraid to do it. <laughs> oh man, I'll be I'll have the jersey ready to go. So for sure. So Geo, whenever you're sitting in Greenville, kind of I mean there was another team in Greenville, but on the national stage, they weren't as well known as the Triumph became. What was it kind of like for you as someone who lives here and then starts going to games or matches and be quickly becomes their most famous fan? Um, <laughs> you know, what's it like suddenly have national attention on your city? It's been very, very humbling for sure. Uh, we talk about Jay Keegan and he, I consider him a friend uh, during COVID after our first season we had the usl e-cup tournament and i was asked to participate with jake and we played a few times played fifa a few times together just helping him train and we got to know each other uh and i was sad when i was sad when he left he did a video for my daughter's 10th birthday um i did a compilation of videos of friends and um you know i've i've met a lot of people through just being the fifa guy I even have a funny story. I was at the the USA game uh, against El Salvador last week, and I was walking up the stands, and somebody stopped me like, hey, Greenville, that's John Harks. And I was like, yeah. He's like, man, you guys are doing some awesome stuff out there. He's like, I'll try to go out to a game. And I said, yeah, for sure. That we'd love, we'd love to have you. He said that his brother-in-law is moving down, and he's a big soccer fan, so he'll pass it on to come visit. And... I was walking down looking for a friend, Brock Elder, and he found me only because I had my Greenville hat on. Uh, so we took a picture, and he's from American Outlaws in Anderson, South Carolina. So um, I met somebody from AO Boston, and they're like, hey, aren't you the gamer? And I, I was just very confused uh, how he even knew who I am. Um, and he asked me how I'm doing in this tournament that I'm in, the lower league E-Cup. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty humbling, but it it really makes my day sometimes um, just about how many people that I've met and knowing everybody in the riot and how welcoming they are and just having all this support for everything that I do um, just through FIFA or through playing soccer with Doug on a rec team. And I, I am blessed to have this, this opportunity to, uh, um, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm famous, but, I've made a lot of good friends here and made a lot of good connections. I don't think I would even be here with you guys on this show if we didn't meet through through FIFA, actually. And so, uh, you know, I love it. And uh, I just I give all credit to Doug and the whole team. I saw Chandler. I got to give out a, so, a shout out to the social team for for you guys, too, because they support me and everything I do. And everywhere I go, I just get compliments on, on whether the kits or John Harks and or what we do and how well how well we do it. And I'm really proud to have Greenville. You know, we had Greenville FC, and I went to all of their games, and I had a great time, and I respected them. One of my favorite players, Jesus Sabara, is came from them um, also, and he played there, went to Charleston Battery for a little while, and then he ended up with us, and he. You know, I'm predicting a breakout season for him, but, you know, there's nothing like the triumph. Uh, 
I, I love it here and I'm so excited for this new stadium to come because I think it'll just bring, bring bigger and greater things for everywhere. You know, speaking of the stadium, Doug, from what we understand, this week is going to be not really the final one, but the the big town hall, pretty much, right? Uh, yeah. So, so it's uh, it's going to be Monday night, and it's not the it's not the final one, but it's our chance to get back in front of uh, the finance committee for Greenville County and uh, hopefully get approval uh, Monday night. And if we do that, then we move on to the larger county council for approval. All right. So we're going to have a two part question here. I'll give you the first part first. Give me your 60 second elevator pitch. Why should there be a new stadium in Greenville, South Carolina? Oh, I haven't had to boil it down to 60 seconds. It's been like <laughs> a 40 minute presentation. Um, you know, look there, this is the opportunity for upstate South Carolina to have a facility like they've never had before. Um, for soccer, football, lacrosse, uh, you name it, um, to serve as a home for for soccer in the upstate, not just Triumph soccer, but, um, you know, collegiate soccer, high school soccer, youth soccer tournaments, um, to, to have a venue that we can all call ours in the upstate and that, that you know, exposes the game to so many people and, and um, really showcases what the game can be, um, you know, and that kind of final piece of the puzzle in upstate South Carolina where you've got great youth play, you know, thousands and thousands of kids that play youth soccer, uh, great high school play, great collegiate play with a couple, you know, very famous national team players coming out from around the area. And, um, you know, something that can be a win for everyone and not just something for boys and men's sports, for girls and women's sports, too. Uh, being able to showcase that, I, I think, would be a huge, huge win for the upstate. So just build a baseball stadium and play in that. <laughs> having having walked Warner Park's field right before the final, I'm going to I'm going to respectfully decline. Uh, I'm still trying to get the sand out of my shoes. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll try and build a soccer specific stadium as I know Omaha is trying to do too. So, you know, I have to ask about, uh, th this is a shot in the dark. All right. Um, this was something that was dropped, I think on Twitter and I saw it and I knew it. I had to ask, cause I love the idea of the W league or, you know, it's the, one of the players that you guys signed, uh, I can't think of her name right now, but she played at Auburn. And yeah. I've I've watched her play several times because um, Alabama Auburn I've go, I go to all the Alabama soccer matches. Yeah, Car Carly and, Thatcher. Yes, and she is stunning. She is an amazing player, and from everything I've seen, because I've seen a lot of the Clemson girls too, because Alabama played them in the playoffs. Um, is there any chance that you could uh, uh, drop a team name real quick? <laughs> uh, no, no chance, no chance tonight, but, uh, but it's getting closer. It's a question I get asked multiple times a day. Um, look, it's taken a little longer than we'd hoped. Uh, a lot of that was us making the playoffs on the men's side and, uh, some of the stadium work that's overshadowed it a bit and, uh, selfishly, uh, me not having a, uh, a comm staff to help me out for half of last year. Um, Chandler, Gerald, there's your shout out, buddy. Welcome to the team. Um, <laughs> 
and uh, and Kaylee. But uh, you know, it, we're uh, we're working on it, and we're we're not far away. So um, I hope to have more news, but certainly before the men's season starts. Um, so we're we're excited about that. And you know, Kaylee, I think one you, you mentioned Carly Thatcher. I think the thing that's the most exciting about on the women's side for us is getting to showcase that great community soccer talent a little more at the uh, at the amateur pre-professional level you know um, we're going to draw much more from upstate south carolina than we obviously get to on the men's side and it's such a rich base of talent on the women's side so we've announced six so far and there are more more coming across the next few weeks and i think almost all of them are either from the upstate or playing college soccer in the upstate and it's going to be really cool to, to showcase that elite level of upstate soccer talent. All right. Before we move on to some next questions, um, <laughs> <laughs> if, by the way, he's not in the live stream right now, but um, Alan is in the green room, as we have called it, the John Morrissey green room. Um, he is in the back. So if, if you're wondering who is typing in the chat, it is Alan. Say everybody say hi to Alan, not Ryan Allen, just Alan. Um, <laughs> if the guys, before we move on to the next uh question, do any of you guys have anything? All right, cool. All right, I do have one. Go for it. I just um, I gotta ask Doug, uh, I know you hear about ProRel all the time, so. I'm not going to go fully into that, but if that is not a possibility in the near future, do you think with this beautiful stadium that we're working on, if there's ever an, a chance that we could even uh, just move up to the championship, be the first ever team to do that, is that something that we would look towards and just something exciting? It's definitely something that we have considered um not you know not considered like we're going to do it tomorrow but you know when we're looking and planning for the stadium we were very intentional about making sure that the seating capacity and everything else is up to usl championship standards and that's for whether it comes via pro rel or whether it comes via you know we get in the stadium have great success and we're looking to see if we can make that move up uh it's you know you plan for tomorrow not for today so um it's definitely something we've considered and you know look we don't shy away from the pro rel thing i think it'd be awesome um and it, look it's easy to say pro rel would be awesome as a league run team because mm -hmm. you know when we look at it for the first couple of years at least it's only pro so um <laughs> you know I, I i think if you asked any league one team we'd be excited about pro rel but uh but you know, we could, the pro rel debates a whole show in and of itself, but I mean, mm -hmm. I think we can all agree, like, man, wouldn't that be just awesome to be able to put the focus on USL and American soccer? I mean, that, that'd get attention all over the world. So, you know, but back to your question, Gio, yes, it's, it's something that, you know, again, we don't have a crystal ball. Uh, we, we have a path forward, you know, we, we keep, we want to grow um, constantly. And if, if that takes us to the championship someday, We'll, uh, we'll be ready. So, because I went to uh, the Green Bull match last year, uh, the one where uh, a certain North Carolina goalkeeper decided to have a go. Um, and, A, how many calls, how many phone calls did you have to take or emails did you have to get about that? I feel like <laughs> it was a lot more than I would have enjoyed. Um, B, 
I mean, I love the stadium. What exactly about the stadium that you guys played at last year maybe didn't fit the code? Was it a seating capacity? Was it something else like location? Like, you know, what was wrong with the old stadium? Because it seemed gorgeous to me or a perfect stadium for what you guys are. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, first part of the question, sometimes I regret making my cell phone number so available to fans. <laughs> um, but no, it was, you know, it, like kidding aside, it was very helpful because I got video right away on my cell phone. Uh, you know, the, the first call is normally the league when something like that happens. Um, so, you know, unfortunate situation. Glad, uh, glad nobody got hurt and, and we worked we worked through it well um and and moved on um i was still surprised when north carolina came back for the second game i believe he started in goal again not something i would have done um but that's why i'm not a usl coach um so no to to your question about legacy um and and the situation there and and why we're looking for a new stadium um you know legacy's been awesome um i don't think we necessarily thought that it would be a, a multi-year home um, when we first set out to do it. And I, I think, you know, I don't want to toot our own horn, but I feel like we've done a great job with the, the game day experience there um, and what we're able to do. But, you know, Kayla, you talk about the challenges, um, you know, there, there are things that fans can see that are challenges at Legacy and there are things they can't. Um, you know, the, the capacity is below where we want it to be and where we ultimately need it to be from a profitability standpoint. And um, we don't sell out every match. That's not the point. Um, the point is we can't comfortably, even when we do get to a sellout, it's a strain on the field and the infrastructure around it in terms of parking and traffic and roads. So, um, you know, we, we need to get in a more tenable long-term situation there. And then there, there are things like the locker rooms. Um, the, we use gym, uh, like high school basketball gym locker rooms. Uh, they're about as wide as one of these chat boxes. Um, so to fit a, to fit a team of 20 players in there is, is pretty difficult. And uh, Legacy's been awesome. And, and I, you know, again, I think we're all so pleasantly surprised at how, how everything's turned out and what we've been able to do from a game day experience standpoint there. But long term, you know, in terms of our uh, financial sustainability, we're going to need to make a move um, to, to be able to do the things we want to do and have had to say no to a handful of times, like, uh, friendlies with, uh, foreign clubs in the summer. We get, we get a couple of those calls every year. Um, that's again, another, yet another benefit of having John Harks as your head coach and his network, um, of teams looking to come play us. And we have to decline because we're not up to the standards to really even be able to host any of those teams with, with the locker room situation. So there are challenges legacy that we can't, we can't solve and also legacy who's been so kind to us needs their field and as we layer on and look to program it more with the w league team and you know maybe someday down the road a league two team on the men's side if, if we decide to do that i mean who knows but as we as we need a field more days out of the year it's going to be tougher and tougher and we're already seeing that as we work to schedule the w league this year so um you know we, we know that we'll outgrow legacy at some point but I think what we're all excited about is just how fondly we're going to look back on that relationship and where you see a lot of teams until they get their permanent home. You know, I know that something Charlotte independent struggled with for a while of year to year, almost moving place to place. I think it's been really awesome that we've been able to find something that is a home and is part of our team's history and is something that we're always going to want to going to point to as, as something that helped accelerate the growth of the team. 
This might be a bit more into the nitty gritty for the new stadium. And I know it's a debate across a lot of different uh, uh, teams and soccer. You even see it at the MLS level. Would the preference be to have a stadium be a grass facility or to continue on with a turf facility that might be able to facilitate more games, not even just within soccer, but to have high school football, to have lacrosse there as well? Depends on what day it is, and I'll tell you what surface we're going to play on that day. No, um, <laughs> look, we, we, we go back and forth. Um, and, I mean, Ryan, you, yeah, you talk about, like, all the play and the merits of each. You know, it's easy to say, boy, we want to we want to have events there, um, you know, 200 days a year. It needs to be turf. Or, boy, we can't have some of those events you know, if it's turf because it's going to be grass. You know, foreign teams, national teams, what have you. Um, I, I don't. Uh, you know, I, I think it's fair to say our preference is grass, um, you know, as a, as purists, of course. Um, but, you know, we know that if the stadium is able to be to be passed, we're not going to be the only people that have a say in what that's going to be. Um, so we just want it to be a world class surface regardless if if that's grass great you know we'll go out find greenskeepers um you know we're right down the road from clemson which has one of the best turf grass programs in the nation um so you know we tap into that if it's turf then let's go out and find the best turf we can um so yeah i, I wish i had an easy answer of this is what it is and this is what it's going to be but man we're we're ping-ponging here in both both sides of that debate um so We'll see. Fingers crossed we can find find a grass solution that works. But right now, let's just get the damn thing built, and then we'll worry about what we're going to play on. <laughs> we'll play on the dirt if we have to, if we get it approved. I'll go out there and start shoveling right now. <laughs> I'll be right next to you. The new Nashville Stadium has just dirt with the infrastructure built currently. Just pack it down really tight, and you can play yeah. on it. Again, it'll feel like playing at Omaha, so what's the difference? <laughs> I do have one question, Doug. Uh, I was just wondering if you you mentioned friendlies that we've had to decline. Uh, would you be willing to name drop one that would have been really exciting? And, and with this new stadium, could you give us a realistic possibility of what you know, a team maybe that we would really realistically play? Would it be something like a national champion Clemson side? That would be interesting. And maybe even a dream pick, someone in the international team that you would like to see come to Greenville during the preseason next year and uh, just to show off our new stadium. Yeah. Um, this is going to sound like a cop-out answer, but it's true. I don't remember the teams we've turned down. Um <laughs> Actually, actually, I do what remember a flex. one. That's I, such I a one. subtle flex. <laughs> oh, stop. Um, <laughs> I, I remember this one uh, because it was the first one, and the email came to me for some reason. And I was like, well, what do I even do with this? Um, it was Brentford. Uh, and and that was, you know, <laughs> hey, look, that would have been cool because, you know, now that they're up and they're brand new wow. season playing in the Premier League. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's it's been a handful of championship teams uh -huh. uh couple league one i think one german team again they kind of, they kind of run together because unfortunately mm -hmm. it's the same email back and it's sorry unfortunately we can't make this work right now mm -hmm. um you know but it's but it's not uh not dissimilar from the kind of stuff you see madison uh that they've mm -hmm. been able to do a couple times and um you know i think look I, like it'd be great to have liverpool come over but i don't think liverpool is coming to greenville who knows mm -hmm. um you know so I, th I think realistically you know getting some of those um, championship clubs and maybe a Premier League club in the stadium would be great. And and tapping into um, you know teams in France or Germany, you you look at what Michelin and BMW have in terms of 
workforce and population here. So I think that would be a cool get to, to go from either of those countries. Um, you know, personally, selfishly, I think it'd be cool to have somebody like Darby come over uh, with the Harks tie, uh, you know, or, or Wednesday or something like that. I, I think that'd be a pretty neat story to, to get something like that going. But, um, you know, look, we're, we're not going to turn down any opportunity. I would think once we're in a position to say yes to those. Uh, so, and, and I think too, uh, we look at, um, you know, to make another U- USL example, look what Charleston's done with the challenge cup. And I know that's different, you know, that's MLS teams. Um, but that's such a great setup. And, you know, for them, I know was always their biggest draw of the year, even more so than their regular season league games, uh, back when they did it, uh, at Blackbaud. And I'm, I'm stoked they're able to bring that back. I want to get down there one of these years, but you know, maybe we can do something like that in the future with a couple MLS clubs. We've been fortunate enough to play a couple here and there in the preseason. And, um, you know, it's kind of tough this season because they're starting so early. Um, but I'd love to be able to do something like that. Um, I think that'd be, a, that'd be a great experience for the guys. And I think it's, I think it's warm enough in Greenville in February, early March, certainly warmer than it is in, columbus or something like that so yeah. we're, we're playing now so we you know i'm sure they they'll play um question would, would it be possible i know the final four um was played in um carry um would that be something that we would be interested in hosting also especially with clemson being the team that they are now hopefully in the future um and that would probably be a real fun thing to have in the upstate yeah. Well, and you, you know, you already see um, Chattanooga's already got, I think the, uh, I don't think they call it division one double a anymore. Sorry. That's old school me, but um, division one double a uh, national championships for, for men and women um, for NCAA going to the new stadium in Chattanooga. So, you know, we'd certainly look at, at that. And then obviously division one, you know, men are in carry. I think the, the women played out in California this year. Those, those would be things we would look to, to bid on, uh, to host at the first opportunity and, and yeah, Geo, you know, with Clemson and Furman and the success there, certainly with Clemson, um, that'd be awesome. And I think we would, we've, we've had conversations before with Mike Noonan at Clemson and, and Eddie about, you know, in a stadium, would they come and play some exhibitions, uh, you know, or, or could we do, even if it's not a, a final four, could we do some sort of preseason tournament or, um, you know, kind of early season non-conference jamboree, for lack of a better term. Uh, we're 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 all about that. Um, and and again, that goes back to like, well, okay, so maybe it needs to be grass to be able to do that. But um, yeah, that that's definitely something we envision chasing after if we're able to get it built. So it's kind of well documented at this point that until the Birmingham Legion came to you know. Birmingham when they were still the Hammers, whatever. Um, I followed FC Cincinnati very strongly, and I still do. And I was at the Palace FC Cincinnati match that John Harks coached in. You know, I'm a big fan of a lot of the guys at Greenville because of Cincy. And, you know, I met Harks one or two times. Just great guy. Um, Would something like – maybe go into the um, friendlies idea, you know, Hey, just getting an email from Brentford. Yeah. That just happens. Just, that just happens to you, I guess. Um, <laughs> it happened once. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
would it would it be possible to move stadiums for one match, maybe somewhere to like a Paladin to play at Brentford or like a Crystal Palace or something like that, or are you firmly into only the legacy lease? Is that something that's there? If that makes sense. In terms of could we host them now? Or? Like could you could you move the match to like oh. Paladin Stadium instead um, of having it at Legacy? Yeah, we probably could. I just, you know, for us again, it's we look at the financials of what it would take to for us to be able to properly recoup the revenue of you know what it costs. You know, those teams don't just come play for free. You're paying a pretty steep appearance fee to to get them to come. So it, it'd have to be a proposition at Paladin Stadium or at Riggs and Clemson or something where where we thought we could break even or or better to be able to do it. Um, you know that thought really hadn't occurred to us but it's not it's not about i mean look charlotte just um i don't think they were on rigs but charlotte fc just trained at clemson for a couple of days so there's there's precedent to get you know get some teams on a college campus in the upstate to do some training so um never say never but you know again I, I hope i hope we can get the stadium uh project moving more next week and that in a year or two years we're sitting talking about going ahead and scheduling stuff in the new stadium so let's pivot a little bit. We've done a lot of stadium talk, but let's talk about the play that would be happening inside there. Recently, we've seen a lot, and last year we didn't see this as much. Maybe it was because of COVID. Maybe you can get some insight to this. But we've seen a lot of movement from League One to Championship and Championship to League One. You guys, have, I think, have had both, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Just this offseason. And so – what kind of experience is that for you guys? How do you a how do you approach a championship player and say, this is why you should come to Greenville, and vice versa? When if you have a player who has a chance to go to the championship, are you trying to convince them to stay, or are you becoming like a salesman to get them to move up? You know, what's your role there? So. The first part of the question, what's the conversation when we, you know, when we come to a championship player? I mean, John Harks, that's the conversation. Um, you know, it's John, John's um, name is worth its weight in gold. And, you know, I think there are players that we've seen that, that want to come play for him that know, it. you know, it's not necessarily about am I in championship or league one or MLS or it's am I in a good situation and allow me to grow as a player as a person and I think John's great at recruiting to that and um, you know they're they're guys that are fiercely loyal to to John and his staff I mean going back to the Cincinnati example you know there's a reason we've got still a handful of guys Evan Tyler Aaron going in to to year four with the club as uh, is, is they want to play for John and so so that's a huge recruiting point for for us and I think um, you know, th- there's also um, the, the minutes thing. You know, there are guys in the championship that don't feel like they're getting the minutes. Um, so maybe they want to come down. But I think what you guys probably know is the quality of play in the two leagues is pretty similar. Um, you know, maybe not across the board, but I don't I don't know that a lot of team, a lot of league one teams are going to go get boat raced by a championship club we haven't you know i'm so excited for open cup to come back um and i'm wondering where those draws are because they were supposed to be out a couple days ago um <laughs> they're all i wish i knew i wish i knew more uh, they're but, selling pizza shirts right now 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so you know, we've seen we've seen in in preseason or in open cup play before how even some of the teams are. And and look, there there are some championship teams that op- that operate in another stratosphere. I mean, you look at Louisville, Sacramento, Phoenix, a couple of those. But um, you know, we we feel pretty confident about our chances when we get to play a championship team. Um, and you know, from a player standpoint, we we think that that we should be considered if a player's got offers from other championship clubs because you know we think that our our product on the field has spoken for itself the last couple of years and i think on the the second part of your question you know for us it's the thing we encourage that i and and i don't want to put words in john's mouth but i've i've heard him say this before is you know he, he again it's not about championship or league one it's when a player gets an opportunity it's evaluate the opportunity how will it allow you to grow as a player? Will it allow you to grow as a person? Is it a good situation for you? And, you know, there are times I'm sure where John has told guys like, look, I know that's a championship club, but I don't think that's the one you want to be at. And there are other times where, um, where guys have great opportunities and we've encouraged them to go. So it, you know, it's, it's a case by case basis. Uh, I, I think, I think certainly for us, when we've been able to sell players on the championship clubs, that's something to hang our hat on. Um, it's something that's, that speaks to our coaching staff and the development there. Um, and it speaks to what we do as an organization. And it, it's a great recruiting tool to be able to say, Hey, we have, you know, we, a couple things we recruit on. We've had multiple players represent their country's national, uh, national team level, and we've sold multiple players on the championship. So I, I think, I think you'll see trans and and I know that other teams around the league have received money for transfers onto the championship and stuff, but I think there's probably also teams that have received money transferring a championship player to that their championship teams that received money for transferring a player to league one. So um, it's interesting. And I, and I think it, you know, one of the things that the league has, has talked, talked about before some in the media is the idea of like a inner league cup during the season and um, I hadn't heard much on that lately, but that's another thing, you know, kind of like pro rel. I would, I'd love to see an interleague cup because I, I really think it there would be a lot of parity. That's a, you know, that's something that I've thought about a lot, almost kind of like in the EF, the EFL Cup kind of thing. Obviously, much smaller pyramid there, but man, that would be so cool. I mean, I think you would really start to see how bad some of the bad teams are. I think a lot of those teams will get exposed, and I think you would really appreciate how good the good teams are. I think there's a a lot of ways to go about that. Um, I'm just wondering with your you know brand management, whenever you're getting ready to to release something like, oh, we just signed player, we just you know we have player now. Um, when you have guys like a guy to my right, right, um, with John who you know releases stats galore graphs that are easy to understand and you know guys like brandon who or brandon may who you know releases a lot of great stuff that's easy to digest is that something that you're able to use as someone that's like oh i understand how to convey this information to people who may be reading this and john is that something that you consider you know like is maybe maybe this is information that clubs can use. I mean, obviously you're with the Rowdies for a minute. So, I mean, obviously that's something, but um, I guess start with John and then go to Doug. Well, I've been 
told by various people across the league that they pay attention to some of the numbers that I'm putting out. And obviously I had the opportunity to uh, work with Tampa throughout last year. Um, I guess I'm trying, when I put out information or write up a player, I'm more trying to inform the new fan base on what are they doing in a way that's a little bit more objective, where I imagine that the club side of things tends to be a little bit more hypey. At the same time, like, I think that if you are putting out a press release, you're coming at it for a different audience in that you're trying to make it as simple and digestible in terms of getting the personality of the guy across in a way that doesn't figure into the coverage that I'm trying to give. I will see teams like retweet the things that I'm putting out or share some of that if it's a more positive kind of post. But I think that we're trying to do similar but somewhat distinct things at the same time. Yeah, you know, I think, John, to, to your point, like, I think you nailed it about, you know, I don't, if I'm putting out a release for a player, I don't want to go into seven, eight paragraphs and try and have someone digest all that at one time. I'm looking to, you know, can can I make a connection to where they played before? Or do they have ties to the upstate or something like that? But to the, to the credit of what you do, uh, what Brandon Mays and, and many others, uh, Chris Ashley have done, you know, look, I, I like, I think we're great on social media. We get tired of talking about ourselves. Um, I love to bring other voices on to our channels and whether that's retweeting some, some of you guys stuff or having a featured piece done by somebody else. Like, I think it's good for fans to hear other perspectives. Um, and, you know, look, I love it when people make predictions and stuff. It's not always right. Uh, it, you know, we go back to earlier when we were talking about sitting on information. Uh, I know Brandon May is in here watching because I see him in the chat. When he put out who we were going to get to fill our void at right back, we had already signed Noah Frank, <laughs> and I was just waiting to get it cleared, and he had him in there. And I think he listed him as the least likely guy, but I was like, ah, he called Frankie. <laughs> uh, so, so you know, look, I mean, that that speaks to um, you guys are doing great work, John Brandon and others, you know, like uh, – there's a reason Brandon guessed that, uh, you know, we were, we were looking at some of the same things. Brandon, Brandon's done a great job of, of seeing the way John likes to use, uh, use his system distribution and everything. So, um, you know, I, I think it's great, you know, going back to the first thing we talked about when I hopped on and how humbling it is to see the growth of our team and stuff, man, there are people writing columns about us. Like, that's crazy. That's awesome. Um, so, so I love reading that stuff and I love being able to, to share that stuff on our channels um, and, and just get other people involved in, in the league and, and to get those stats out. And, um, you know, we're trying to build these players' brands too. So any way we can do that, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, you know, and as, as we get a couple years into the league, you know, I, I think it's funny, like year two of the league, and we were talking about someone would score a handful of goals and in August of 2020 be like, they're now the all-time leading USL League One scorer. I'm like, okay. You know, like – it's, it's like when Tom Brady and Drew Brees were dueling the touchdown thing and you're like, this is going to change every week until one of them retires. So, but, but now that we've got a couple of years of history as a league, I, I think it's pretty cool that we're starting to see some trends and you're starting to know the systems of teams where you've had coaches for a couple of years and know what kind of players a team is looking for. And you're guessing free agent signings and John's doing deep dives on, on, you know, tactical stuff. I just think that's awesome. And it's going to increase, fandom of the league which is the same reason you guys are doing the show um so as the league continues to get built out and expand and go from 11 teams to someday north of 20 hopefully um 
I just welcome all that content. The all-time league score, it that cracks me up too. I it definitely reminds me of whenever back whenever the the Golden Knights came into the NHL and every single week they were posting a first time in Golden Knights history. I'm like, okay. It was funny the first time. Like <laughs> Well, and it's like the guy, you know, I, I forget the guy's name, but um the guy who has the all time home run record for minor league baseball. You know, like that's awesome, but also like that guy played minor league baseball for 15 years. And that's not a shot at our league. I just know that like, you know, we're, we're probably not going to get a guy playing in league one for 10 years. Cause there's going to be movement and going back to what I was saying earlier about the championship, you know, that free flowing movement, it is, it, some of these things are going to bounce around a little bit, but I think it's cool when, when you're able to get some guys who have been in league a couple of years and start to get those kind of, um, you know, I won't even call it league one brand names, just USL brand names where, um, you know, they're known commodities and where we can all see a signing and be like, well, that was a good signing. And we know right away. You're like, I love that player. That'll, that'll be cool to see him play at X. Um, you know, but we, I, I, I find time to follow the league. I can't admit that I watch every game every weekend, but you know, I do, th- I do think we take a, a casual interest at, at the games, um, separate from our games, uh, when, when we have time, certainly it's easier when we're on the road. So it's, it's just fun to to see those those record books deepen a bit and and for um you know guys to be signed and you get to hear their credentials about where they were before and um, to get to do things like bring jay keegan back to town um ryan i think at one point uh before the show started we were talking about uh league expansion you brought that up do you have you had something on that didn't you yeah, uh, Doug, you had alluded to it a bit in your uh, just recent statement and talking about how much the league has expanded. This season, we're welcoming uh, Fuego and uh, Northern Colorado as expansion side. Charlotte and North Carolina has already been mentioned of dropping down. And we even have Fort Wayne, Lexington, and Spokane at least on the way. What do you see as just kind of like the future blueprint where the league is kind of headed towards and just kind of like the, that next kind of timeline of steps? Yeah. Um, well, you know, look, as, as team ownership, we're clamoring more bus trips and less plane trips uh, <laughs> because plane trips are expensive. So I, I think, um, you know, you, you look at the cities you just mentioned and, and you see the size. A lot of a lot of them are very similar market size and there's still that void. And as we've run up towards World Cup and more cities want rectangular fields, rectangular stadiums to be able to play soccer and other sports in. Uh, you know, you're only going to see the league grow. And uh, for for us, you know, the, having the, um, the MLS two teams in the league was a love-hate at times. I mean, I think we would kind of all agree there. Um, there were positives and negatives. But, you know, for me, I think what I, what I like about um, the, the league growth now is all these independent markets that are going to have very unique feel, atmosphere, um, unique stadiums. Look, it's, it's, it's fun to play in Gillette stadium, but there are 50 people there. Um, you know, it's kind of weird. So it's going to be fun to play in front of rabid fans and, and full stadiums and, and to be able to develop the regional rivalries. Cause I think back to your question, the big jump off point is for the, for the league of when it takes that, that next leap forward is away days and what fans can do. You know, our fans travel as well as anybody in the league. Um, you know, we had great turnout for the finals in Omaha uh, we always go down the Tormenta and show out well. Uh, Charlotte's going to be our closest trip by far, by about two hours. 
Um, so we're really excited about that. You know, I, I look around the around our region and, and kind of going back to the W League of what we're able to do there with playing Asheville and um, playing some of the other teams in North Carolina. Like that, that's just going to be huge for our fans. Um, and, and I know people have lives and they can't go to 40 soccer games every year. I get that. Um, but, but I think, you know, again, like when I've, when I've seen the great home game environments that we've had, a lot of times it's not necessarily when we've sold out the stadium. It's when we've got away fans, um, you know, Chattanooga in the playoff game brought a hand. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be 400 fans. It can be 25 vocal fans. But that's enough to completely change the environment. And I think when you get that, people people around the community, casual people, start to pick up on the rivalries. And they, you know, Greenville and Asheville have a healthy rivalry just in, not even necessarily in sports, just as, as cities an hour apart. Greenville and Columbia, you know, you, you get some of those markets competing against one another. You talk about Lexington and the potential that Knoxville come into, Lexington, Knoxville would be an awesome rivalry. That, that's the thing that takes the league to the next level because we can, you know, we can sit here and probably name um, five or six of the best rivalries in Major League Soccer or championship or something like that. And, um, you know, in, in League One, the rivalries have largely been on the, you know, I, I would say us in Omaha is one of the best one. We're halfway across the country from one another. The rivalries because of on the field. But when you can factor in, the markets to creating a rivalry that'll that'll be huge you mentioned the w league um you know you guys are going to be going against the nashville against north carolina against the independence and also against racing louisville i mean for and you kind of mentioned going to you know gillette stadium like great we're playing in a seventy thousand stadium with 50 people here but going to uh to an NWSL stadium or to a uh, USL championship stadium, which is built a little bit smaller, but still sizable Mm -hmm. for you guys uh, going to North Carolina, going to now to racing Louisville's uh, stadium and Lynn family. What kind of, what kind of selling point does that become to the, uh, the W league players? It's like you get to go play where the NWSL people play. You get to play essentially in front of scouts. Yeah, it's it's huge. And, you know, the the players that make up the W League team are not just current or former college players. You know, we'll likely have some youth players. They're still at high school level. I mean, yeah, to to get to go play, um, to go play in, I mean, Lynn Stadium, I, I think we can all agree, like throw size out the window. It's just one of the best soccer stadiums in the country. It has um, not so, so to be able to do that is huge. And the, the scouts, you know, I, I think, as you mentioned, you know, we're, we're providing another pathway where um, we're able to get exposure for, for these girls, for collegiate opportunities when they, when they're ready to go to college and, and certainly for pro opportunities in the WSL or the super league when it gets going. So, um, you know, I think that's huge. We have, no matter what sport we played growing up, you always dream about playing like I was a tennis player growing up, you know, and, and you don't, it's not always like, I'm going to go play Wimbledon. I wasn't that good. I wanted to play in Daniel Allen, South Carolina, where they play a women's uh, pro tour tournament, you know, it's like, so, uh, you know, it, it might be, it might be some girl's dream to play in Lynn stadium and that's awesome. And, um, you know, I, 
and it's, it's like open cup too, you know, like how cool would it be if we ever got to go play down in Atlanta? That's probably a lot of our players dreams. We have how we Paul Christensen, one of our, you know, our keeper played in Atlanta and, um, and talks about how great that atmosphere was. So it's pretty cool. And, and I think the, the W league thing is just going to be like, I'm so, uh, you know, I, I hate to single out one team. Like I'm not excited for the league as a whole, but the Greenville Asheville thing on the W league, I'm just so pumped. And we know the guys in Asheville and they're a great group of guys and, um, we're excited to get that rivalry going. So it's, it's going to be really fun for, for us, for the club and, and our fans. That's not how you get a rivalry going. You can't say they're a great group of guys and say, I'm ready to get the do you rivalry. Want me, do you want me to say they're a bunch of weird mountain hippies? Is that better? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Cut promos. This is the time to cut promos. I mean, come on. I mean, Phil, <laughs> who's not here today, we put him on a suspension because he was inciting violence with GMs. Come on. <laughs> This is all about cutting promos. We're going hey, look, to the once, WWE. Once the whistle blows, I'm as competitive as anybody out there. So uh, don't don't worry. You know, again, like we've we've had our we've had our rivalries, we've had our frustrating moments, we've had a couple, um, you know, a couple championship game losses that we we still think about. I know they're on the players and coaches' mind. They're still on our mind too. But uh, but I think you know I th- I think what's so great about the USL too is is the the camaraderie between the teams and the, and the support from the league office and just having a network of you know USL has what probably close to 150 or probably more than 150 teams now so it, it's just cool to be a part of that and and feel like you're making a difference in American soccer. All right, so I'm going to do one last loop around on questions. So if anybody else in the chat, especially if you have any questions in the chat or, you know, anybody on the weird, it's not really a round table today. It's whatever shape this is. Um, and who, who has what? I do have one. I just wanted to know your reaction to when Men in Blazers, Stu Holden, and I believe today Tony Miola all shared support for the stadium and the petition that's been going around. Uh, have you guys in the office been talking about it? How excited were you? Uh, just your initial reactions on that, because I was floored uh, yeah. and excited. Yeah, I mean, that's like the Men in Blazers one, which was the first one of those to come out. That's like a mob we made it kind of moment, um, you know, and, you know, Coach Hartz has afforded us an opportunity to know a lot of a lot of pretty famous soccer people, and um, but but that was something that you know John John didn't put in a line to Men and Blazers or anything. It just I think I think a fan suggested it or something, and uh, and then you know boom there there it was and yeah I mean we're taken aback by that and uh, Tony Tony and men it just shows you too that you know everyone knows that soccer is exploding you know across the country and growing but but what i like about it is it's it's still small enough that we're all trying to help each other out and punch above our weight and you know another it's it's going back to camaraderie of things we share with other ownership groups is like you know trying to work with each other on stadium plans we're we're all i'm just as happy for a stadium to get built in lexington as i am for one to get here because it's good for all of us um, you know, it's good for the health of the league and stuff. So I, th- I think to, to see the soccer, the American soccer community come and, and rally for us is humbling. Sure. But it's the same thing we would do for anybody else that's trying to get a stadium. And there's so many being built left and right or thinking about being built. Um, 
so it's it's exciting times and you know here we are still four years out from uh world cup being here and it's, it's only going to accelerate more and more as we get closer to 26 especially if we can qualify for 22 <laughs> one step at a time <laughs> three, three points at a time please yeah i have a bold question too we mentioned in and other uh just interviews that you've had about possibly hosting the women's national team in Greenville. Uh, how big would it be if the United States hosted the Women's World Cup? Do you think there's any chance we could host a World Cup game in Greenville if we can possibly get some friendlies and, and fill up our stadium? I know an uh, NCFC stadium, they've had women's games there that, mm -hmm. that are amazing. You know, I don't know about, I, I don't know what the requirements are to mm -hmm. host a Women's World Cup game. We might not be there on capacity, but, you know, as we were designing the stadium, we were looking at what's the capacity to host a women's national team friendly. And can we get there? And, and the answer is yes, uh, if the stadium goes through. We won't have the no, that number of seats all the time, but the design is so that we can bring in extra seats and and host that, you know, and again, maybe it's not World Cup, but maybe it's a She Believes Cup match or, or a friendly or something. And I think, I think too, Geo, about like when, when the World Cup rolls around, obviously Greenville's not going to host a World Cup game in 26, but, mm -hmm. you know, Atlanta probably will, Charlotte might, DC might, Nashville might. So, you know, those teams are going to need a home base and it might not necessarily be in one of those markets because those teams might be playing all of their group stages in three different places. So who's to say a team couldn't make their training base in Greenville during the world cup. And we host Portugal, whoever, um, and they train on the field and, and man, if we could, I mean, think all the tickets we could sell just to watch Portugal train for two days in, in a stadium. So that's dreaming big, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll see when we get there, but that'd be pretty awesome. Well, that's what we got to do. Dream big. It's exciting. So, we talked about cutting promos earlier. Um, unless somebody else has something, I guess this is going to be the last question from the Q&A. Unless something else comes to somebody's mind, then just pipe up. Um, cut a promo real quick. What's it like being in Omaha's shadow? <laughs> That's adorable. Um, you know, look, I can't say a ton. Um, they, they won the last round. They came out and kicked our ass, but that was one day. Um, we beat them on their field earlier in the season. Stakes weren't as high, but uh, look, we uh, we we believe in our system. We're we're hungry to to play Omaha. I think I I, I don't know the schedule yet by heart, so y'all forgive me. I can't remember um, if we've got two there or two in two in Greenville this season. But uh, but uh, yeah, you know, look, I'm. I'm I'm ready to get back on the field with Omaha. I I can't get out there myself, um, but man, I, I, you know, I'm 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 ready to come back and uh, and claim another another trophy. Hopefully, we said we're tired of getting plates. We want cups. So um, you know, we're we're coming for a cup this year, and and we'll go through anybody we have to to get to it. <laughs> they still need to field 11 players, as someone is pointing out in the mm -hmm. chat. Uh, I think we're up to 17 or 18 signs, so we got all our subs. We're ready to go. Um, I thought I thought I thought Tuesday was just going to be a day of announcements, not literal TWO Tuesday. <laughs> oh, <so>. oh, oh, <laughs> now that is a way to go out. <laughs> and with that, I don't know how to to end the show any other way. So 
it's time to go ahead, sign on out. John, what are some parting thoughts you have for us today? Uh, parting thoughts are not soccer related at all, as I want to do, in that I am fired up after a good episode of The Book of Boba Fett for yet another <laughs> one dropping tomorrow. So we'll see what gives with that. But shout out to my Star Wars nerds. Good, good. Respect. I'm through, t- I'm through two. And I hear that was what, five, episode five? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and five, really five's good. the big I one. I can't wait to get to five. Yeah. Yeah. Pumped. Ryan. Just excited to get closer to the uh, season and after an exciting transfer window of European soccer, it's good to have this kind of club soccer and everything returning, especially since Celtic will have a major game against Rangers tomorrow. Gia? Um, just thanks, Doug, for coming on here. Um, I'm, Anytime, guys. Uh, well, uh, you know I how to get in touch with me. Yeah, I'm always so. around. I was just happy to, to contribute and bring you in and talk about a team that's really close to our hearts. And I just want to thank you right here um, for all the opportunities, all the friends that I've made because of you and the team. I would have met all these awesome guys here, all these guys in the chat, all the Omaha fans that uh, love to, to talk to me all day uh, about our, our belt and our rivalry. It's all fun, but it, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Um, so thank you. and. Um, I will see you Monday at the meeting and our soccer game also. 9.30, bundle up. 9.30. <laughs> Alan, do you have any kind of typed out stuff from the John Morrissey green room? Do you Can you type something? Out? Oh, there he is. There he is. Um, no, this was like super informative. I love just kind of sitting back and, and getting uh, a little bit more educated on League One. I've been so concentrated on championship with San Diego getting a new team and and being in that world and it's a reminder for those of us who don't pay attention to league one as much as we should that there's a lot of really exciting soccer happening that's you know we're seeing the guys move up we're seeing the guys move down and um i just want to thank the like people like doug who were were putting in the work uh to make soccer uh, a reality in, in america so um it was super informative just thank you for your time uh and those of you who are listening to the usl show who haven't watched the league one game uh, get to it. Uh, I know I'm going to make an effort to to watch a few more this season. So you've already got ESPN Plus if you're watching the championship. So it's right there in front of you. Just scroll a little further. <laughs> right. They don't always make it the easiest to find, but you got to little, dig a little bit. But you know, uh, we see what League One's doing through social media. But you know, go out there, support a, a team. If you can get to a game, get to a game, um, and and support lower league soccer. Doug. What are some parting thoughts? It can be on, off the pitch, or nowhere near it whatsoever. Uh, I think we're getting ready to head into the, the most exciting season League One's had already. Uh, 11 independent teams. Man, I, I don't know who's going to be good. Um, I, you know, like, look at all these player signings we're seeing around the league. Like, um, Northern Colorado, obviously, they got one of our boys in Lachlan. I'm, I'm excited for him. Um, you know, Fuego's coming in. We're going to get to be to be the first to see Fuego on April 2nd in Greenville. Um, you know, you got Omaha that'll come in with a new look team, but with the pedigree that they've had through two seasons, we've got the pedigree we've had through three seasons, a lot of returning players. I'm just, there's just a lot of intrigue. Um, and I think top to bottom, you know, look at what the table was last year. It was a mess all the way up to the end of the season. Uh, and I mean that I'm, I say a mess in the most complimentary play 
uh, way possible because it was awesome. So, you know, get on board. Yeah. Uh, you know what, what you guys were saying that the people who are watching championship, um, come ch check out some league one teams, f follow the table on thought mob, whatever. Um, I think it's going to be exciting, you know, the, the increased playoff format to, to bring in six teams brought a lot of intrigue. Um, loved, loved that playoff format. And, you know, again, we got the, we got these big rivalries. So, so start to, start to watch them and learn some names. These are, the, you know, to the point about San Diego, these are some of the league or the championship players of tomorrow. So uh, come check us out. And uh, whenever we play Omaha, let's go, let's throw down. Um, excited to play Omaha again. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. And uh, maybe we can uh, make it to the finals for a, for third consecutive season against Omaha. Mm. Well, I want to personally thank you for coming on. This has been an absolute blast for me. Um, whenever I know for me, Greenville is a very special place for me. She was in the chat or she was watching for a minute, but she left because soccer confuses her. But, um, my fiance was in the, ch uh, was watching for a little bit because like Greenville means the world to us. We, we got engaged there. And then a couple hours later, we went to the Greenville, North Carolina match. And it was just a very special place, and it has a very special place in my heart, and so do the Greenville Triumph. So it was great to have you on and kind of relive some memories, you know, you know, very happy memories of really everything that you guys have built. So it's been a great time for me. And, yeah, I think that – Well, look, thanks, you know, thank you, and, and thanks to everything you guys do to, to grow the game. Um, you know, look, I, I, it's, it's something that – Kind of, kind of a mindset I, I take heart. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you have five followers or fifty thousand followers or two people watching this or two thousand people watching the show. You're helping grow the game. Uh, when when we tweet stuff out, I say it doesn't matter how many likes it gets. Sometimes, look, we're, we're all we're all doing our part to grow soccer in America. I think what y'all do is awesome, um, and I think we're all on this uh, this USL rocket ship to 2026. So I'm pretty pumped. Well couldn't end this any better way thank you everybody who was in the chat tonight thank you for everybody who's listened to this um you know whether it's on uh spotify apple so on so forth so thank you guys for listening thank you everybody for watching thank you doug again one last time um thank you everybody and that's been the usl show see you guys